I'm also constantly trying to find formats where things can be accessible without jeopardizing or compromising the art form or compromising the quality or the artistic content. Hello and welcome to the Terpsichore podcast. We're back in 2023 to bring you more intimate conversations with leading women in dance. If you're new to the podcast, my name is Emily May. I'm a British-born dance writer and critic, and I've been based in Berlin, Germany since 2018. Named after the Greek goddess of dance and chorus, and also an allusion to historian Sally Baines's seminal book on postmodern dance, Terpsichore and Sneakers, Terpsichore celebrates female dancers, choreographers and bodies in motion by interviewing leading women from the dance industry. For episode 17 of the podcast, I invited Icelandic choreographer and artistic director Katrin Hall to discuss her life, career and the artists that have inspired her. Katrin started dancing at a young age with Iceland Dance Company before moving to Germany to tour internationally with the legendary Cologne-based company Tansforum. In 1996, she returned to Iceland Dance Company to take up the position of artistic director. In this role, she placed a strong emphasis on collaborating with Icelandic musicians such as the now Oscar-winning Hilda supporting local choreographic talent and working with many of Europe's leading international choreographers such as Ohad Naharin, Yuri Killian, Alexander Ekman and Damien Jalley. As a result, in 2000, Katrin was awarded the Order of the Falcon by the President of Iceland for her contribution to the dance community in the country. Alongside her career as an artistic director, Katrin is a prolific choreographer in her own right, having created work for Iceland Dance Company, companies in Germany, Austria, Sweden and the USA, and for musical production and television, notably choreographing for Shakira's Did It Again music video and working with the BBC TV show So You Think You Can Dance. Since 2016, Katrin has been the director of Sweden-based Jutebergs Operans Dance Company, the largest dance company in the Nordic region, ahead of the company's double bill of works by Damien Jalet and Sharon Ale at Sadler's Wells from the 11th to the 13th of May. I couldn't wait to talk to Katrin about the Icelandic dance scene, transitioning to her role in Sweden and her vision for Jutebergs Operans Dance Company's future. So hi, Katrin. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Terpsichore podcast. How are you doing and where are you speaking to us from? I'm in Gothenburg. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. I wanted to start from the very beginning. And we always ask people on the podcast if you can remember your first experiences of dance or how you became interested in dance in the first place when you were younger. Oh, my God. (laughs) A big question (laughs) to start off with. Well, I was very young and very influenced by my friends, but maybe my first memory was when I decided to audition for the National Ballet School in Iceland. I was first like more in a hobby school and then I decided to audition. It was my grandmother that has exactly the same name as me, Katrin Hall, that encouraged me to do so. And she was the one that actually registered me and signed me in for that audition. And so I'm forever thankful to her to do that, to encourage me to take that audition because that led to me being in the school and and growing up there and then eventually becoming a part of the company first an apprentice and then eventually as a full member it kind of paced my path so to speak when you started dancing what were some of the things that you loved about it were you more interested in more kind of like character work or abstract things what were the kind of things that interested you when you first started at that school I was always more keen on characters or 
expression, expressing emotions or something that started from a thought point of view and not so much out from a movement point of view or physical point of view. So I was always interested in what made me do the movements I was taught and how they were initiated. Yeah, out from a more of a character's perspective or out from an emotional perspective, you know, so that kind of followed me and, and contemporary dance was always more appealing to me than classical, even if I, if I did both in Iceland Dance Company at that time when I then entered the company as an apprentice, we did both actually. You know, you did all those range of <laughs> performances from the classical nutcrackers, even despite we were a very small company, we still did those things, but also contemporary work and contemporary work always appealed more to me, I have to say, and to be honest. I wanted to ask you a bit about the Icelandic dance scene at that time, especially when you joined Iceland Dance Company, which I believe was in 1981. What was the kind of contemporary dance landscape in Iceland like within the company and also outside? What kind of work was being made? What was going on at that time? You know, there was not so much freelance work in Iceland at all at that time. It was only the company and there was hardly anything else happening. So we were the major activity of dance in Iceland, I would say. So the responsibility of us to carry that role of representing kind of all ranges, all styles of dance felt kind of exciting at the time because we were the national company. Since then, things have changed a lot. So now the freelance scene is very rich and there's much more freelance-based choreographers and dancers for the good, you know. At that point, it was a very small... I mean, Iceland is a very small nation anyway, a very small market, and that kind of reflected also the dancing. The pioneers of the dance field in Iceland were women, mostly, all the way from the very start, actually until now, you know. There's always been driven by women, female force. (laughs) Who were some of the key drivers, including yourself, of course? Well, before me, there were of course a lot of interesting artistic directors the company went through range of artistic directors from having international artistic directors in the very beginning Alan Carter and Julia Carter were the one who founded the company but then going on to more Icelandic women leading the company such as Nanna Olafsdóttir and then Hlín Svavastóttir, Hlíf Svavastóttir that was actually based in Holland at the time in Arnhem and she was leading the school there and was very visible in the Dutch dancing. So she brought a lot of knowledge, a lot of interesting choreographers there at that point. I mean, there were so many more, but all driven by fantastic female ladies that kind of led the field. How do you think it happened that there were so many women kind of driving the field? In other places around the world, there's kind of difficulties with women being able to take positions of leadership in the dance field. So it's amazing to hear that in Iceland that you've had this other experience. It was actually, you know, the opposite from everywhere else. In all other countries, it was actually male leaders in the field. And we also had a little bit of problems finding male dancers, both for our education as well as for male dancers in the company, Icelandic male dancers in particular. So we had to very often bring male dancers from abroad. And that's again, maybe based on the fact that we didn't have such a tradition of dance in Iceland, in the Icelandic history. We didn't have a classical company connected to royal family or anything like that like in the other Nordic countries. So we were actually not burdened also with so much tradition. So it also became a freedom in a way, or that's how I see it when I look back. A freedom for us to be able to drive the company in the direction that was needed each time. I feel that was in a way a blessing, but maybe an explanation of why, for example, there were not enough male attendants, students, for example, in the school, because it was just not so built in into the Icelandic society. You're 
leading really nicely into saying about driving the company in different ways. And we'll come later to how you drove the company as artistic director. But before we do, I wanted to talk a bit about your performance experience with the company because you were a dancer before becoming the artistic director. Can you tell us a little bit about the kind of choreographers you were working with when you were a dancer and if there were any particular performance highlights you had with the company or rehearsal processes that you particularly enjoyed or choreographers you particularly enjoyed working with as a dancer? Oh my God, there was a range of things I did, all the way from working with Birgit Kulberg even, that came to Iceland to set Miss Julie or, you know, Fräulein Julie by Strindberg with uh, Niklas Ek, the famous Niklas Ek dancer in the main role. That was inspiration. He was an inspiration. She was an inspiration. I was just a kid or a teenager. That is one very memorable memory I have. But of course, then when I got older and got a bigger role in the company, there were choreographers like, I can mention Ed Wuppe, director of Scabino, who actually was an up-and-coming choreographer in Holland at the time. And he came and created new works for the company, which I participated in. And we were kind of co-creators, which was a new thing at that time. You know, so he is very memorable. There were a few of those that were really young, up-and-coming choreographers that I felt I kind of had a strong link to somehow. More than, you know, all the work we did with... I mean, I participated in a performance with Helgi Thomason, for example, the Icelandic legend that led San Francisco Ballet. I mean, he left Iceland when he was very young, but he was always a legend in Iceland and he came back to perform sometimes and I participated in that performance. I think it was Giselle or something. So that is, of course, a memorable experience to share the stage with a legend like that. But other than that, my creativity, my artistic voice, again, was leaning much more towards a contemporary direction. The next step, after so many years with Iceland Dance Company, you did actually move before coming back to be artistic director and dance with Tansforum in Cologne in Germany. Can you tell me a bit about why you decided to move away from Iceland and be in this company at that time and what experiences you had there that you brought back with you? That was a very interesting experience because I maybe might not have any intentions of longings to go abroad. I was very fulfilled in Iceland. I had a big role in the company. I got a lot to do, but also another pioneer choreographer that came to work with Iceland Dance Company and is influential in my life is Jochen Ulrich because he brought pieces to Iceland that were very accessible to the Icelandic audience. We filled the house and I learned how contemporary dance can be somehow broadened up a bit and marketed out in order to reach out to a larger audience without compromising the art form because he was always pushing the boundaries of the art form. But then when he came to create the production in Iceland at some point, he then invited me to come and participate in a performance with Tansworm. There was a dancer that was pregnant in his own company then and he offered me to take her place. So I had to run in with short notice, not knowing it was the main role of the piece or hopeful evening production. I had, I think, a week to learn the whole thing in a new company, new environment, new setting. It was overwhelming, but incredible experience, I would say. That was my first introduction of Tansforum. That's actually, he brought me and then he prolonged my contract and I stayed on, which I thought then at that point was extremely healthy for me to open up my range and to get the experience of performing abroad in another country with much more influence because of course, Iceland is a very isolated country, especially in our field of contemporary dance. So that was a blessing. Was there anything also stylistically different that you learned in Germany? 
Germany or as well as just being more in Central Europe? Was there thematically or different kind of styles you approached that contrasted what you were doing in Iceland? It was quite a lot of diversity in Transform as a company. I mean, Jochen created many works himself, but we also got choreographers like Jennifer Müller that just passed away now recently, a legend in the US. She made a beautiful piece called Beach. The theme, the essence of that piece is so interesting to reflect on right now because it was about our environment and how we treat our environment. She was way ahead of our time when she created that work. So now when I reflect back on that, it was amazing to work with her. Louis Falco, if you know who that is, he was one of the creators. Of course, Richard Verloc was there creating. He was my colleague in the company. There were a lot of people, Jochen, educated or somehow developed a lot of fantastic artists. I think also what attracted me to be able to perform and be a part of an internationally established company like Tansforum was at the time. It was a legendary company in a way where actually Pina Bau started her career. Kurt Jos, they were the founders of this company. So it had a really legendary background. This company was the first contemporary company in Germany. So it had really strong, powerful background to base on. For me, it was also important that it brought me more on an international level. We had performances abroad. We performed regularly in Barcelona in the famous theater on the Rambla. And it was fantastic. We did co-productions there. I performed a very important piece Yerma by Lorca that Jochen created and the headlines in the Spanish newspapers were blonde Yerma. It was like a revolution that it was a blonde Yerma or blonde female dancing Yerma. Thank God they were very positive reviews but uh, that was what the headlines were because it was so unusual to see such a blonde-haired person portray a strong character like that. So these are very memorable times, you know, where we toured a lot with the company. So it gave me also quite a big international exposure. It expanded my network as well. So it was a very important time for me to be in that company. After that amazing experience, you did move back to Iceland to become the artistic director of Iceland Dance Company from 1996 to 2012. Obviously, you were dancing with the company before and had a long history with the company, but what attracted you specifically to the role of artistic director? And what were some of your kind of key ambitions or things you wanted to do with the company when you did take over the leadership? I actually applied for the position as a protest. I was not so keen on the development of Iceland Dance Company, how it was developing into being more neoclassical company. I felt very strongly that our identity as a company we could figure out much more our strength, our identity built on who we are. And we are definitely don't have any history or culture or background in classical dance. So for me, the contemporary dance was much more our strength and identity. And I felt we should focus on our strength where we could actually be influential and have a say in a society which is so contemporary in a way. That was the key factor why I applied. But in my dreams, I did not think that I would get that position. So I put a condition into my application that if in case I would be hired for the position of artistic director, I would change the company 
entirely and focus on contemporary dance. So I would specialize in contemporary dance and my aim and focus would be to bring Iceland Dance Company on an international level and have it compatible to other international dance companies. I felt that the Icelandic market was very small, so I felt the need to expand our market and bring the company more international. And therefore, no one would like to buy a mediocre classical company from Iceland, but they would rather buy a strong company with a strong identity, contemporary profile. Our strength were the dancers inside of the company. I mean, Icelandic people tend to be, I don't know why it is. I have a theory that because we are so small, everybody feels so important. They feel their weight and their responsibility in its environment. And that is what they carry with them on stage as performers. And that's also the reason why I feel there are so many artists in Iceland, you know. We feel that we have a say in our society. We feel that our voice is heard. We are only 360 or 80,000. I don't know how, how many we are right now. Around that number and every individual is more important. So that also reflected the characters in the company. That was for me appealing. That was the strength which I wanted to focus on and base my vision on. I got the job. So then I had to fulfill all those <laughs> things that I had promised to do. And so that was a challenge, I have to say. You definitely went on to do amazing things. One of them being, it's interesting you say about having so many artists in Iceland, because I know a key thing you did when you were with the company was encouraging young artistic talent from the country, such as uh, Erna Omazdottir. Apologies for my pronunciation. Can you tell us a little bit more about why encouraging choreographers from Iceland was important to you? I was very aware of the fact that we needed to build up our Icelandic choreographers. We didn't have any education. We didn't have any university education on that level at that point in Iceland. So it had to be done from somewhere, from within the field itself. I also parallel to focusing on the strength of our dancers, I also wanted to focus on the strength and strengthening our creators, our Icelandic creators. So this was always a part of my vision. But on the other hand, I also wanted to increase the standard by inviting really established choreographers to Iceland. The first year after I took over, I managed to get Yeri Kilian to come and work with us. We got a piece from him in the repertoire. We worked with Ohat Nairin. We worked with Rui Horta. That was a high-profile name at that time. We worked with all the really fantastic choreographers. I brought Alexander Ekman in when he was 24 years old. I brought Alan Oyen in when he was just graduating from school. I had followed him internationally on juries and I saw him. I saw his talent. But then also my vision for the company was very focused on combining music and dance. So I also gave a lot of Icelandic musicians the opportunity to commission music parallel to our dance productions. So this was a really new thing in Iceland, in a way, I would say. For example, I combined Olavur Arnalds and Alan Oyen. And Olavur Arnalds is a very well-established musician right now and composer. We worked with Ben Frost, we worked with Moom, we worked with all these upcoming music creators that were bubbling. It was a bubbling scene in Iceland, so it was fantastic to work with them. I worked with Johan Johansson, we worked with Hildur Guðnadóttir that now has received an Oscar. You know, we were working with all these people in the music field and I gave those people opportunities to compose music 
for our dance works. And that was exciting period also. I was going to bring up Hilda Gunnar's Dottir actually because I've recently seen the film Tar which she composed the soundtrack for and then when I knew I was going to be speaking to you I looked up because I knew that music was so important for you whether you guys had worked together and I saw that you had. I mean I feel like there's quite a big wave of interest in Icelandic music at the minute because of her and everything she's doing especially in the film world. Can you tell us maybe about the piece that you worked on with her? It was an interesting project because we merged two Nordic dance companies in this project. We merged Carte Blanche from Norway and Iceland Dance Company. At that time, the artistic director of Carte Blanche was Arne Fagerholt, but he was being replaced by Bruno Hendricks, that then became the director of Carte Blanche. And now he's a director in Wiesbaden, a very good dear friend and a colleague, a very strong artistic director with a strong voice and opinions. And we have followed each other for a long time. So it was really nice that he took over that project from Arne. We combined the two companies in one creation and the creator was brought from Norway, Ina Kristel Johansson. And then we were kind of responsible for the music aspect of the creation. So we brought in Hilter for part of the music. Part of the music were other bits, but part of the music she was also playing live, her cello on stage. So she was participating in the performance. It was a really extraordinary performance. It had a skeleton of a whale on stage. So it was also in a way quite a political performance and we performed it in the other Nordic countries as well but that was the collaboration with Hilter at that point. I have always wanted to work with her since then. She is a close collaborator to Johan Johansson and I've also worked with Johan quite a bit and I've worked with Oliver Arnalds quite a bit also in Iceland Dance Company but also after my time there we have been in contact. I brought him here to Gothenburg to give a concert in the Opera House. I kind of like to deepen the relationship with some selected artists in order to deepen the artistic result. That has always been a part of my vision. So we talked about all of these amazing artists you'd work with as well, but you are also a choreographer in your own right and have created a lot of your own choreographic pieces. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your own personal choreographic style or approach to movement when you're making works. I know you've made works for Iceland Dance Company, but also other companies in Germany, Austria and Sweden and America. Again, contemporary is the key word and something that has some sort of a relevance in our society. I've always strived to try to have some sort of a topic, never a narrative line in my work, but I like to work with a concept. I like to work with set designers that assist me. I like to work with combining music and dance quite a lot. The music aspect is quite important in my pieces. I've also used in some of my works Icelandic landscape because that has influenced me quite a lot as a performer, as a creator, as a human being coming from this island where nature is so strong and such a big part of who we are. The darkness, the brightness, you know, the the contrasts, the contrasting elements, that is all what I have kind of included in my work. And then as well as creating work for stage, I know you've also done work for theatre, musical productions and television and that you choreographed for Shakira as well. I was just interested in what interests you in being in conversation with this pop culture sphere as well or other media as well as the contemporary dance stage. With reference to Shakira, because you mentioned her, 
I was so impressed by her courage to reach out to an unknown choreographer that had a leading force in one of her music videos. She put contemporary dance as a main focus in her music video. And for me, it was really impressive to be a part of that because in the essence, my passion is to actually promote contemporary dance for a wider audience that get people to appreciate contemporary dance in the widest perspective of that. This was a part of that. This was an interesting aspect where I felt, oh my God, I can reach out to so many people with what we do. It was a huge production. I had to do audition online, audition in LA online. At that time, we didn't even know what Teams or Zoom was. <laughs> so we were ahead of time in a way. And it was quite a process. I got to work with a fantastic dancer that came a little bit more from the breakdance field that also influenced what I did. All these aspects I really like. I'm very keen of pushing boundaries, merging with other art forms. So this was a part of that in a way. The interesting yeah. aspect is also that it's based on a short film that me and an Icelandic director, Reini Lindahl, did together. It's called Burst. We were chosen to work together. It was a huge Nordic project where a choreographer and the director were combined and we got funding to do a short dance film. So we did this short dance film where we used the extremes. You know, we wanted to have references to cartoons where everybody could do anything. You can use the medium of film in such a different way than you use on stage. And we wanted to optimize that possibility. So Shakira obviously saw this film. She called me. She wanted to have her video based on that film that also involved water because also a part of, again, reflecting on Icelandic nature, being surrounded by water is something that comes back in my work again and again. But it was an interesting aspect that out of everything in the world, she had seen this short film and followed up on her vision to bring that into her music video. Chapeau to her courage. And most people know the example of Beyonce and Anna Teresa de Maca's choreography being used. So I think it's really nice to see these examples of musicians or pop stars, not just kind of stealing ideas from videos they see, but then going on to collaborate and wanting to have this artistic conversation with someone. Absolutely. And what I also enjoyed very much was I was a part of So You Think You Can Dance, BBC done in Britain. That was also another opportunity to be creating for a bigger range of audience you know, for a TV with millions of spectators. That is a very big part of what I want, to reach out to more people with the art form, sort of with the focus of trying to increase the appreciation of contemporary dance as an art form. We've talked about you working as a choreographer and also as an artistic director. And I wanted to ask you about the difference between these two roles, whether your choreographic taste when you're creating your own work differs from when you're maybe picking someone to commission or another choreographer to commission for a, a dance company and how you juggle these two hats. Some companies are based on the works of a specific choreographer that is the artistic director and then they are built around that vision but Iceland Dance Company being the national company in Iceland I felt that that was not the way I wanted to go at all. I didn't want it to be a platform for myself or for my choreography and I never did that. So I wanted it to become a repertoire company mostly but I being a part of the choreographer's 
creators in Iceland having an international experience, I felt also that I didn't want to exclude it. So I did once in a while choreograph for the company, but I can tell you that is a challenge. It was interesting to have an output for that creative side. Even if I feel being an artistic director is a creative job, I really feel very much that I don't miss it now in my job here because I decided not to choreograph for Jötepo Sopranos Dance Company myself. I feel I don't really miss it. A big part of being an artistic director is a creative job. The combination of the two was for me a bit of a challenge, that I can admit. But after I left Iceland Dance Company, I mainly focused on, for a few years, four years or something, on doing works for other companies. What prompted your decision to leave Iceland Dance Company in 2012? Was it to explore and just create more for others? Or what else kind of prompted this decision? In my heart, I'm all for position in power, not staying too long in one place. At the same time, I feel if things are running smoothly, there is a development, there's a constant evolving process. I feel one should not leave just for that sake to leave. So there's this struggle inside of me that believes that to change position of power regularly is a healthy thing. I had that thought in Iceland along in my career, but I had planted so many seeds that I felt I still needed to follow up on and see become flowers. I didn't want to leave until I felt secure enough. Now I have reached my goals with Iceland Dance Company. I can leave and I can leave it to someone else that will take care of the company and take it further. This is the reason why I left. But those journeys to change a company and to change the artistic vision of a company takes time. It's a long journey. It doesn't happen overnight. So this is also what one has to be quite realistic about. That doesn't happen in five years, not even in six years or not even in seven years. Therefore, I stayed quite a long time in Iceland, but it was because I felt the need to get the company grounded. Just before we move on from Iceland Dance Company and look at where you are now, you touched on a little bit before but how would you say that from the beginning when you started dancing with them till when you left your position as artistic director how the dance scene in Iceland has evolved over all those years and and where it's at now? Yeah well I worked with so many Icelandic choreographers that I brought in so I felt these people that were being brought up they could eventually somehow take over. We had developed so many strong voices in our society the difference was that finally the level had had equaled out a bit, the dancers in Iceland were not stronger than the choreographic voices, but they were becoming equal level. So now the artistic creators or the creators in Iceland had more opportunities, they had louder voices, they had more jobs, they had more to do. I think that was the development that happened. The school, the university, the dance department and the arts academy in Iceland was a huge influential part in the development of this. They have educated a lot of people that become freelance artists in Iceland and they are also influencing the scene. The scene has become much wider, much bigger, which is a very positive thing. As you said, after you left, you spent some years creating your own work, but then in 2016, you became the artistic director of Gothenburg's Okperans Dance Company, which is the largest Nordic dance company. How did this offer or this opportunity come about and what interested you in taking the position in Sweden? Well, I had followed Jötepo's Operans Dance Company for a while. Their reputation internationally 
international it was quite big so i felt it was challenging for me to take over a bigger company more responsibility bigger organizations much more larger number of dancers we have 38 dancers with 20 nationalities there was a huge potential i felt to develop and grow and put my fingerprints on the company and contribute with my experience from iceland and bring that company further that is why i applied but at the same time a huge challenge for me jumping off that fact that it's a big challenge how has working at this company been different to working in iceland what are the specific challenges or different things that you've had to deal with in comparison to where you were before just working in the nordic society helps a lot i understand the nordic culture so i understand a little bit more the swedish culture coming from a nordic country this is of course a big organization jotapos operan is a huge organization that works very far ahead much more structured and organized than we did in iceland in a way here the structure is different in iceland i was my own boss so to speak my boss was actually the cultural minister in gothenburg i have a ceo and then the ceo has a board that is responsible for the whole thing it's a regional institution iceland was the national company there are differences for sure but there are much more possibilities i feel in gothenburg because there is a lot more financial capacity first of all there is a lot more resources to access everything that i was trying to do in iceland with a little bit of money became a little bit easier here because i had the capacity to fulfill my wishes and dreams and bring maybe people that i felt were on a level that i wanted but i couldn't really do in iceland so these things have really helped me in order to fulfill my vision for the company can you maybe delve deeper into what that vision is i know that one of the big things has also been promoting its kind of international reputation but what else was your vision or particular people you wanted to bring or, or things you wanted to achieve i like to work with internationally established choreographers that i feel can contribute to who we are what the company is and the identity and vice versa so i have made a visual reference about my vision to simplify it because i feel people recognize or kind of react to a visual reference much better than to words but since this is a podcast i cannot show that visual reference so i'll try to explain it so working with these established choreographers that create commissioned works that create special works only created for this company specifically that we have exclusive rights for will attract fantastic dancers because they want to work with these fantastic choreographers this will become an international demand that will place us as one of the foremost companies in Europe these key elements are very important to nurture the collaboration with selected artists that i bring and i don't only bring once but i bring them back in order to secure the artistic quality because once they've come here they've developed a relationship with our fantastic dancers and they can build on from there so you're not only starting from zero but we also parallel want to be a platform for the emerging voices for the voices that we believe in that will be influential in our art form in the future so it's about having the courage to identify new talents and that is a very big part of my vision too and it was a very big part of my vision for Iceland as well but i just scaled it up in a way here we can contribute with such a fantastic dance company we have dancers here that are fantastic we have 1230 applications for maybe three available positions every year we can actually select quite extraordinary 
very skilled dancers, not only from a physical perspective, but from a human perspective. The artistic integrity they have, what they have as a creative force, because that is also important in my vision, is that the dancers here are co-creators. We want to be pushing boundaries of the art form. We want to be developing ourselves. We want to go outside of our comfort zone. We want to be unpredictable. We want to merge art forms. We want to test new grounds. We want to test new formats. That's why I also established our own dance festival, where I include always one concert, for example, because music is so connected to dance. All those things are a very, very, very big part of my vision. I've also focused a lot on female creators. I've given platform for female creators. I've done collaborations with international companies and national companies. We've done a collaboration with NDT recently where we focused on female creators and we exchanged choreographers from our own companies, female choreographers or dancers that are choreographers that we're creating for each other. All these things are vital and important to me. But another part of my vision is to reach out to a wider audience, educate people to appreciate the art form and the diversity of it. When I took over here, to my surprise, the local awareness and reputation of the company was much lower than the international reputation. So I started by focusing very much of increasing the awareness and visibility here locally. I initiated activities and things like open rehearsals, post-performance talks, physical introductions before our performances. I did close-ups, short trailers of the dancers that were kind of spread out on social media. Everything in order for the audience to come closer to us to who we are, to bring and strengthen the bond between audience and the company. We also went out to the region quite a lot. We did a classroom performance. We are serving the younger kids. We have an outreach program. We have a project called the Sustainable Dancer, which is about sustainability. We work very closely with a prehab trainer. We have three physiotherapists. So we do try to accommodate a healthy work environment and provide the dancers with necessary tools to be working in such a demanding environment. Also, we bring in coach to handle mental stress. We talk about recovery, we talk about nourishment, we talk about sleep. It's very much about teamwork for me. I speak a lot about we and why. We as a team and why we do things. For me, it's very important to communicate why we do things and who we are and what our goal is so that everybody is aware of the big picture. Everybody is on the same boat. We're all sailing in the same direction. It makes it so much easier to understand and to be a part of it and have an ownership of it. All these things are intertwined in my vision. It's very hard to summarize in a few words because there are so many things that include in a vision. It's not only artistically, but it's also about how do you want to work, your work ethic as a company, what you put emphasis on. It's to build on mutual trust and transparency and understanding and respect. Of course, there has to be some sort of a leadership. There has to be an authority that takes the final decision, but that everybody is heard. And everybody is a vital link in the chain. For me, this is crucial in my work and in being a leader and being an artistic director. I mean, that's an amazing summary. Thank you so much. I was especially interested in what you were saying about the reputation internationally being greater than the one regionally in Sweden. This is particularly close to my heart because I also come from a small rural area of the UK. So I was particularly interested to hear you talking about trying to engage with more of your local community and region with dance because I think that this is 
is so important. Now, for example, we've done a very nice performance, a classroom performance called Astronaut. The source of inspiration comes from that NASA has to bring the first female to the moon in 2024. So it also has another female perspective, which I really like to highlight in our work. It's by a Swedish choreographer, Carlo Lopel. It's a very physical work for three dancers. And we have toured it to the region, into all classrooms in Gothenburg. By the end of the season, we will have done 100 performances. And for me, this is also important. It's as important as our big productions that we bring internationally. These are our future audiences. We are bringing them up. We are educating them. And I see when I go and see those performances, when I go to the classroom and I follow up, I see that we can actually, and we have probably, changed some children's life. We have opened their view to what they can become. It's realistic to become a dancer or an artist or a creative voice in a society. So I feel all those things matter very much to me. But also internationally, that's why I had to work parallel because it's very important for the company to continue the international journey. Gothenburg is still a very small market. Also out from a business perspective, we invest in a production and our productions are very ambitious. We have huge set designs, we have fantastic artistic teams. And if we only perform them 10 times, 12 times here in Gothenburg, it's a really not such a good investment. But if we keep them for three years and we tour them, it starts to become a good investment for the companies, just out from that perspective. We are entering new markets right now. We are first going to London, where we have of course been before. We are going to Taiwan after that. We are going to Seoul. And then we're going to Paris, where we are actually presented regularly. Next year, we'll also bring new markets, hopefully Australia even. So we are constantly striving to make new footprints and to be courageous enough to take risks and also fail. It's important. It's an important aspect in everything we do. The permission to fail. You mentioned there about going to London very shortly. And I wanted to talk specifically about this program of works that you'll be showing. The piece Skid by Damien Chalet, which features a dance floor tilted at 34 degrees. And also Saba by Sharon Eyal, which will have costume design by Dior's Maria Grezia Curie, which is very exciting. Could you maybe start off by telling us about how you initially came to commission these choreographers or works for the company? I have not Damien for quite a long time. Damien is one of the creators I brought to Iceland years ago before he became so famous. Him and Erna Omosdottir actually worked a lot together so I brought them also together to create pieces for Iceland Dance Company at the time. But Damien is a very skilled choreographer that I really believe in. He is constantly reinventing himself so of course it was obvious that I would invite him when I took over in Gothenburg to create a new work for us. I asked him to create a new work that could combine with C.D. Larby's work, that iconic work that was actually icon, with 3.5 tons of clay. We had to do it in front of the clay, and we only had limited space. So Damien, together with Jim Hodges, his set designer, and his artistic team, they came up with this brilliant idea, because we didn't have so much space, so that means that limitations sometimes can be a spark of inspiration. So instead of having the limited space here, he tilted the floor. We did this piece in 2017. And since then, we have toured a lot with this piece. It's been recorded for TV. So it's one of our most successful works. So I'm really excited to bring
bring that to London because it's an amazing piece. It's about gravity. It's very challenging for the dancers, obviously. And in the beginning, when we were starting this process, we were both like me and Damien sitting there and thinking, whoa, what can be done on this tilted floor? It's hardly nothing. You know, it's just impressive to see them stand there or walk there. But then slowly they built a vocabulary, they built like an alphabet that they started to create around. Now it's quite amazing what they are doing there up on the skid wall. So I'm excited. I'm really excited to bring this production to London. And then, of course, Sharon has also worked with us several times. And she's an example of a creator where I want to bring back my dances. And her are such a fantastic fit. It fits like a glove to who we are. It's very inspiring to have her in the studio with the dancers. They tackle her style very well. They execute her style extremely well. They understand her. The understanding becomes deeper and deeper with every creation she does. Saba is one of her best work. I would say. I also think she was extremely pleased and satisfied with the piece after the creation process. It's a very vulnerable piece. It's a physically very exhausting and demanding piece for the dancers. Very many of the same dancers are dancing both pieces so you can imagine the challenge that that is for these dancers to do both skit and Saba in the same night. I'm very grateful for the huge skill we have in this company and fantastic dancers and the fantastic team that makes the impossible possible. I'm very proud of this program and they also harmonize very well together with such a minimalistic Saba performance with this impressive set skit performance it's a good match it's a good production you read my mind because I was just about to ask about how you think that these two pieces complement each other in a double bill they really complement each other we have performed them quite a lot together it shows the strength of the company I would say it's going to be so great for it to be performed in Sadler's in May kind of coming towards the end of the podcast now I wanted to continue looking forward as we've done a lot of reflection and just kind of ask you about some of your continued ambitions for the future of the company but also for yourself personally if there's specific things that you've got in your head that you'd really like to achieve in the future. In regards to the company we have done productions now this season very successful productions that have reached out to a really large audience we have had full auditoriums not a ticket to be found or sold because everything is sold out both with hammer by alexander ekman and 12 songs where anne brun the singer was live on stage and it's around her music i'm also constantly trying to find formats where things can be accessible without jeopardizing or compromising the art form or compromising the quality or the artistic content i am very eager to present our own festival which is every third year because there I can also bring in guest performance we do our own performance and we do a concert and last festival we also did a pop-up event around it where we go out and we do site specific things I have many interesting things lined up that I cannot maybe reveal now but are truly exciting you know I love to climb up the mountain and find new ways and then when you're on the top of the mountain you have to find a way to climb even further and how do you do that So that is very much where I'm at. I challenge myself. I have 
a big passion for what I do. And I try to practice my gratitude towards my organization, my team, my people, because we should never take things for granted. So there's a lot that I personally try to develop in myself in order to continue to be inspired in my job to move forward. It's about taking two steps forward and one step back, but never lose sight of your end goal. Maybe you need to go different ways to get the end goal, but never to lose sight of it. For me, that's really, really important. I've got one very final question because this is the Terpsichore podcast and we focus on leading women from the dance industry. We always ask everyone that if they could meet and talk to any female dance practitioner from history, who would it be and why? I had the pleasure of meeting Pina Bausch. She was actually sitting in my living room when they came to Iceland to perform. My husband cooked for her and we were sitting chatting in my living room and that was the most memorable evening in my whole life. I have always adored Pina Bausch and her works. And when I was living in Germany, in Cologne, there was just a train ride away, Wuppertal, and I went to see every performance of her. She was my biggest idol, and finally I could meet her. Of course, it was just for this one evening. I would love to meet her again. (laughs) I would love to meet her again. I've also had the pleasure of meeting a unique artist in our field, which is Crystal Pite. I have brought the company Kit Pivot here. We have presented one of Crystal Pite's work. I find her amazing. I find it interesting to speak to her. So I wouldn't mind having a little chat with her again. We had a little chat once in Paris when we met, but I wouldn't mind that either. Just to mention a few. Amazing. Both amazing choices. I'd also love to be in on those conversations. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Catherine. It's been so amazing to talk to you today and good luck for the performance in London. Thank you and it's been a pleasure to talk to you. I hope you enjoyed the 17th episode of the Terpsichore podcast with the amazing Katrin Hal. If you would like to find out more about Katrin's work, why not follow Jutebergs Operans Dance Company on Instagram or check out their website at www.opera.se slash en slash dance slash Jutebergs Operans dash dance company. If you're based in London, also don't forget to head to Sadler's Wells to watch the company's double bill of works by Damien Chalet and Sharon Ayle from the 11th to the 13th of May or keep an eye out for their upcoming performances in Taiwan, South Korea and France through to the beginning of June. If you've enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful if you could subscribe and leave us a rating and review as it helps other people to find us. You can also follow the Terpsichore podcast on Instagram at terpsichore underscore podcast or Twitter at terpsichore underscore pod. Thank you so much again for listening to the Terpsichore podcast with me, Emily May.